I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts, and your host for today. In the studio with me is a practicing artist who has been living in Newark, Delaware since 1987, Yolanda Chetwin. Hi, Welcome, Paul. Yolanda. Great to have you here. I, I have to say our history goes back to 1997 when I started with the Division of the Arts, and you were at the time a a uh, teaching artist, uh, an artist in residence, and uh, working on a project in uh, one of the Brandywine School District elementary schools. Uh, and just an incredibly productive uh, career over your uh, your years here in Delaware. Uh, Yolanda, for our listeners, give us a little bit of background, uh, and they will hear very quickly that you're not a native Delawarean, but certainly an active Delaware artist. Tell us a little bit about your background as an artist here in Delaware. Um, I came to Delaware in uh, 1987 when my husband started his job at the University of Delaware in mechanical engineering. And I had been a practicing artist before that and an art teacher, done uh, quite a few murals and uh, community projects with uh, different people in different continents uh, before that and came here and kind of landed on my feet, got a lot of residencies right early on after finishing uh, a degree in art therapy at the Pratt Institute and uh, started working as an artist in residence in quite a few schools and then was taken up by the Delaware Institute for Arts and Education, worked with them for about 20 years and uh, that was very interesting, so saw even more schools and I've also been a teaching artist, a regular teaching artist with the college school at the University of Delaware. So have had a lot of experience and have been in a lot of schools, taught a lot of children by this time how to draw and paint, which is uh, just a wonderful experience. What what I'd like to do, and and we'll certainly come back to this because your your range of experience as a teaching artist is fascinating to me. But what caught my attention recently was an announcement about a graphic novel that you have uh, you have produced. And uh, when I went to it and looked at it online, was absolutely fascinated by it. As a former history teacher and as a person in the arts, I mean the, the two. The two fields come together so beautifully in this graphic novel uh, entitled Invasion, a graphic novel. So tell us a little bit about this project. Actually, tell us a lot about this project. I really would love to to delve into that and, and point our listeners to that graphic novel. Uh, thank you, Paul. I um, put up the graphic novel about a year ago in its current form, and it's actually named uh, – Invasion 1, and the 1 is put under the V, (laughs) and that is to do with part of the story. But uh, it's a graphic novel, a short graphic novel, about my grandparents during World War II and uh, their escape um, to – their escape in Europe um, through France and eventually to America – um, during World War Two, because uh, my grandmother um, and her children were Jewish, and uh, that was, uh, you know, they were they were clear that they needed to escape. Um, it was uh, the graphic novel is a short story, but the whole point about it is uh, the way it's launched on the web is is it's a conceptual idea 
in which um, you can click on different panels during the graphic novel and find out more about the story. So it unfolds in a kind of interesting way, I hope, and that it kind of hooks you into the story and then you can explore it at your own leisure. And it was really a conceptual idea to help engage people, maybe people who uh, didn't have English as a first language or who were not maybe proficient in reading, um, and a way of kind of like hooking them in to be able to explore things at their own uh, rate and to become engaged. Could you talk a little bit about what a graphic novel is and sort of where that genre comes from? Uh, so, yes, a graphic novel is um, a form that has been used a lot now to tell adult stories or stories for um, different kinds of audiences, but it's basically a combination of words and pictures. And uh, in France, it's called a bande d'essai, which means a drawing strip. Um, it's a sequential form that can work through time and space to tell a story. Uh, so it's just a series of drawings in boxes, what we think of as uh, comic strips, but um, it can be used in a very sophisticated way. And uh, I, I hope that I've managed to do that. Um, so it can kind of push boundaries of time. And as you're reading it, you can go back and forward in time uh, in a way that you can't do in any other art form as easily. In a movie, you have to keep on watching the flickering pictures. But in a graphic novel, when you haven't quite got something or didn't understand something, you can flip back to the previous page. And then, unlike books, when the written word it actually has uh, the pictures. And unlike illustrations, which also you can flip back to, you are actually telling a sequence through time. So I think that's the basic difference uh, between it. But it is, it is becoming more and more uh, sophisticated in its application, not, not just by me, but you know, there, there, is a, there are books written about graphic novels uh, and the genre. Is is there a tradition of the graphic novel that is more prevalent in different cultures? I I, I know you're internationally well traveled, so is, is it more prominent in different well, areas? Um, it's very prominent in Europe um, and in France and Belgium uh, with uh, people like Tintin and um, Asterix, which uh, are incredibly popular. Um, it's also very popular in India, and I actually brought a. Um, one series of comics by um, Omar Chitra Katya, which means uh, storytelling, and that's um, uh, that was that came out in the started in the sixties. So it has a very old tradition and very very beautiful uh, illustrations. But it's used to um, in that form for it was used so that Indians might understand their own history. And I think uh, when I went to India in nineteen. 82, I, I picked up a lot of these uh, graphic novels and became very fascinated in Indian culture and also the graphic novel as a way of portraying the Indian culture. Now, this graphic novel of yours, Invasion One, correct? A graphic yes. novel, is, is available on your website, which is? Completely free, and it's uh, yolandachetwind.com. 
so that's Y-O-L-A-N-D. And then Chetwind is C-H-E-T and then wind, but with a Y instead of an I, um, W-Y-N-D. Right. And and I I went through this no, the graphic novel, absolutely fascinating. And I, I think the opportunity being web-based allows for the reader, and I think you, you talk about this sort of in the intro or somewhere on your website, talked about the reader has the option of going as deeply into the story and the research as they choose to or to simply use use the the surface story right. to to get a sense of as you talked about the the sequentially linear historical story right. but to be able to go through different panels and where you have historical references being able to click on that panel and all of a sudden be you have revealed uh, you know, historical research on a particular event or a particular location or a particular person. I mean, it really is a, is a fascinating way to, to present that information to, to really address the level of interest of the reader. Could you speak to that and, and sort of how you were able to pull all that together into this piece? Um, it was very much the thought about how to put this together. I'd been approached by um, actually an old friend of mine who uh, I was a, a school chum of mine who is a film uh, director and w- wanted to make my graphic novel into an earlier version of it into a film. And uh, she wanted me to become a producer in this uh, enterprise. And I realized it was really beyond my scope to do that. Um, but I did feel like I had so many different parts of the story that I did want to tell and represent in some way. And I had this kind of vision to tell the story um, as and have it unfold in this particular way. Um, I actually approached the Delaware Division of the Arts at that time and asked them for some seed money, which was absolutely vital to being able to do this project. Um, So I'm very grateful to the Division of the Arts for uh, providing that money, which enabled me to really spend some time and hire, uh, I actually hired a graphic artist to help me uh, mount it on the web in this way. Mm -hmm. Could could you speak to uh, how you did the research on the more historical side uh, you, you had the family story to tell, which which I would like to get into. But but first, uh, the historical research did did you do that on your own? Did you have people helping you in in pulling that research together in editing it? Um, so that has been a very interesting part of the process. Uh, what happened was my uncle, who uh, was the owner, he he unfortunately died a couple of years ago. Um, he told me. A huge amount of stories about my ancestors, uh, our ancestors, and uh, I was very intrigued in um, hearing them. And he also encouraged me. He was a great uh, lover of graphic novels, um, so he encouraged me when I started doing a small version as a thank you present to him for having me to stay. Um, so he. Um, also was a very learned person. So um, he was one of my editors and he put me in touch with another historian who he had uh, 
not hired, but had uh, got involved with, with. And the three of us would write emails to each other and clarify, ask questions and clarify things. The historian is called James Lander, and he had just finished a 10-year project working on a book about uh, the parallels between Darwin and Lincoln, which he published. They were both born on the same day, hmm. and he uh, looked at their lives through the lens lenses of race, science, politics, I think, and looked at their lives and the kind of books that they read. He's a very, very serious and wonderful historian. And he decided he wanted after seeing my first version of my graphic novel, to make a graphic, uh, to do a history of my grandparents. Mm. And um, so the three of us worked for a long time together, sending emails to each other and correcting and doing research for each other from memory and from um, facts that we could find. And then, uh, so he helped a lot with the editing and the correction of uh, some of my things. And my uncle did as well. And also my uncle uh, was a fantastic translator. So he would find letters and uh, translate them for me so that I'd get a full knowledge of what was going on. Hmm. Uh, so I'm still in touch with James Lander and uh, we still communicate quite regularly um, but he is a wonderful uh, historian in pulling up facts. And then later on, uh, through the uh, website, I actually got in touch with uh, other historians uh, who were interested in other aspects of my family. So I was able to um, check quite a few of the facts about uh, my great-grandmother on my Mother, my grandmother's side, who was uh, painted by John Singer Sargent. Mm. Um, so that was, you know, quite detailed research that I did both from memory and then also checking checking facts. Mm. We have much more to explore, but first I want to remind our listeners you tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest is Yolanda Chetwin, a Delaware artist based in Newark. We're talking about her graphic novel, Invasion One. Uh, Yolanda, uh, as a former history teacher myself, I know how important it is to connect the, the learner, the student, the reader to the stories of history, because history is so much more than just a list of facts and figures and dates. Could you speak to that consideration in the creation of this graphic novel? Because it's, I mean, it's clearly a powerful story you have to tell. And being based on family, there must have been an awful lot of emotional uh, emotion and, you know, caught up in what you were doing. Uh, Yes, I think one of the main things I wanted to do with this graphic novel is tell the story of uh, the ancestral home, uh, the actual Chateau de Bommelay, which is a beautiful building, really one of the most beautiful I've ever experienced, which happened to be in my family. And it happened that when I was born, it was completely destroyed by um, a bomb during the Second World War. And my grandmother spent the rest of her life rebuilding (laughs) the chateau, almost brick by brick. And watching her in that amazing 
Herculean effort was very moving. Why she did it and what that was about, that passion to both history and to a place Mm -hmm. that was not hers. Uh, It was actually her husband's ancestral home. And she had been estranged from her husband since the end of the war, or just after the end of the war. Uh, He had left and actually abandoned her and uh, my mother and um, my uncle, who was just a small baby at the time, and gone and lived in Africa. I later found out that he learnt African uh, dialects in the Cameroons and became politically active, working with tribal people up to Mm. the time of independence. I got to meet my grandfather in uh, when I was 20 in 1980, and he was incredible. He was an incredible storyteller, and the stories, even if I think of them now, sort of make the hairs on the back of my neck stand up on mm-hmm. end. Uh, the things that he told me about the people that he lived among in the Cameroons. So mm-hmm. that was uh, he was a wonderful storyteller too. So I sort of felt like I needed to somehow reconcile my grandparents in some kind of a way. And uh, I think maybe this is a way of doing that through mm-hmm. telling the mm-hmm. story. Could you speak to, I mean, with, with your background as a teaching artist, you've worked with students with all different kinds of learning styles. Could you speak to the graphic novel as a teaching tool? Um, well, I can, and I have to fess up here. I am actually dyslexic. So I had a lot of um, struggles with reading myself and therefore loved graphic novels and illustrated books. So I think I kind of get why uh, people might want to look at visual images as well as words and have as few words as possible to tell the story. I also, as I struggled with uh, dyslexia, realized that one of the big problems um, with children who learn late is there are not many avenues for them to uh, have work that will intellectually stimulate them at the same time as um, have words that are simple enough for them to really uh, be able to read them. And so uh, there's a big need there for uh, people who have um, uh, limited skills in deciphering words and understanding meaning uh, for them, uh, maybe less so now, but having interesting stories is a very important part of being able to be engaged and having so that uh, adults and children can want to be literate. We have about three minutes left, so I'm going to ask you a question I mentioned before we went on the air, and that is how has your work over time as a teaching artist informed your work as an artist? Well, I think the honor of being able to teach people and to be able to uh, engage with people on an emotional level and to be able to empathize with them as they struggle through their learning and being able to see their full potential as human beings is what's informed me as an artist. And I feel very grateful uh, for all of the um, students that I've taught and the special gifts that they've given me and uh, that hopefully 
I've been able to impart onto them as well uh, a love for looking and exploring this amazing world of ours. And as, as a teaching artist, could you speak to how the arts can inform instruction across the curriculum? I think that uh, when you're engaged in something as sumptuous as learning how to draw and paint, uh, learning about the color wheel, uh, learning how to put images and stories together, you um, students automatically are more engaged in their learning process and taking responsibility for the process of learning. I think, uh, you know, especially in visual arts, because you can do it slow or fast, but there's a process to it. And if you miss one step of the process, the image doesn't turn out. So, so for instance, in printing, if you miss a certain part or you weren't uh, paying attention to that part, you realize that, oh, I need to go back and restart the process. And that's a very useful lesson, life lesson. Mm-hmm. We have about one minute left, so I just want to come back once more to the Invasion One, a graphic novel, and remind our listeners how they, they can access this because I strongly encourage our listeners to do that. Well, I found if you just Google my name, Yolanda Chetwind, uh, will, it will come up. If you get past C-H-E-T and put in the wind there with a Y instead of an I, um, it will come up. So, uh, And you can just say it into your Google search engine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it will come up as well. Well, Yolanda, it's, it really has been a delight to reconnect with you again, yeah, thank uh, you, to, to hear about the work that you're doing, to, to talk about Invasion 1, the graphic novel, and the work you've been doing for over the years with, with schools, with young people, and in teaching and in producing artwork that really has been phenomenal. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you in the studio. Thank you. It's been great to be here.